Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, we break down season four of the HBO series Insecure with Jerry L. Barrow. Welcome back, Jerry. Hey, how you doing, Rebecca? Thanks for having me back. What's going oh, on? Good. Hi. So you can do a little plug. You're about to join the podcasting family. I am. I am. And thank you so much. <laughs> yes, my new podcast, Fathers Who Bother, will be premiering this Father's Day. It's me interviewing some of my favorite entertainers, singers, rappers, actors, and my friends uh, about their adventures in fatherhood. Um, it's been really, it's something I've been wanting to do for a really long time. And finally, with everything happening and not happening, you know, because I'm no longer at BET, I had some time mm. to actually work on this. And thanks to people like you who've been giving me pointers on podcasting, I'm still tweaking things here and there, of but course. I feel comfortable. It's, it's, you know, it's live on SoundCloud and Spotify, but I'm going to start pushing it out over the next couple of days and I'm, I'm really really happy with the outcome so thank you and everybody else for your support and check it out when it's when you can great yeah i'm i'm really excited for you because i know this is i mean i know we've talked about it i know this is something that you really wanted to do for a while so yeah this is- yes follow us on instagram fathers who bother and on twitter at fathers who be Oh, it's fathers who be. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, it was too. It was too too long for Twitter. Too long. <laughs> ah, got it. Got it. So picky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah. So I thought this would be a good time because um the season finale of uh Insecure aired on Sunday about two days ago, and so I thought it would be good for us to just kind of sit down and marinate you know, sort of on the season finale, because I always feel the season finale is important, right? Because what it does is it, you know, it wraps up certain story arcs of that particular season. And then it, you know, a good season finale, you know, kind of resolves the storylines and then it sets the ground for the next season. Um, So I'm always interested to see. And I've always felt that Insecure, as far as their season finales, have been really good at that. Well, up until recently. (laughs) Um, yeah, Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you and I, we, we watch insecure, um, you know, pretty much together. We have Marco Polo. So we'll, you know, text each other and send each other video chats as we're watching it, just kind of talking about like the breakdowns of each episode and everything. So, um, I guess, so the first, the question to you will be like, what did you think? of season four because season four i mean we had to wait two years for it um season we didn't get season four in 2019 because of prior commitments that um isa ray has she has a you know she has a popping movie career um so they had to wait for her to you know fulfill those commitments and so we got we had to wait like a year but like two years to get this um so it's highly anticipated so Overall, what did you think of season four? Overall, I liked season four. You know, this was the the highly touted 10 episode season because, you know, they've always given us just eight and everyone was saying, oh, we're getting more insecure and we're getting more insecure. And I was lucky enough to watch the first five episodes, you know, before it premiered. And I really enjoyed some of the new characters they brought in, like TSA Bay. I liked, um, I liked Issa. 
and her growth, um, you know, because things left off where we finally saw her unpacking her stuff literally and figuratively. You know, she got a place. She got a job. Now we're waiting to see what this Issa do with this newfound independence. She's, you know, she doesn't she's not dealing with Nathan, at least at the beginning. Lawrence wasn't in the picture. Danny wasn't in the picture. She was it was life without a man. So. I was excited to see where this Issa was going. And for the most part, it really delivered. Um, the buildup to running her first uh, event was great. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, the tumultuous fight with Molly um, mm-hmm. really set the stage for the second half. For the second half, episode eight was the MVP for the second half of the season for me. I didn't feel like the rest of it lived up to, to, to episode eight, but we'll get into that. But overall, I really liked the season four. Okay. So let's talk about some of these, these storylines. So, uh, you know, when we're, we're welcome back into season four, uh, you know, we see Issa in her apartment and she's talking to someone on the phone. And basically she says, you know, I don't, I don't fuck with Molly anymore. And so the first half of the season is basically a series of flashbacks um, that is leading up to why Issa and Molly are not friends anymore. So I really like that setup because what it did is it there was a certain expectate a, a certain anticipation um, right, with right. that. And I think the first half of the season, the you know leading up to the block party, um, really did a good job of of setting the stage, kind of setting up the conflict between you know Molly and Issa because over the past four seasons they've gone back and forth. You know what I mean? They've they've been very spicy with each other and, you know, they've they've, you know, had arguments, but never on the level of season four. So really, it's, it was building up to this. It was it was inevitable. Let's say that. Right. Um, so I think the writers really did a good job setting that up, um, just kind of seeing much like Issa's relationship with Lawrence. Um, it was just the series of miscommunications and misunderstandings between Molly and Issa, um, throwing it with a good, a healthy dash of uh, passive aggressiveness mm-hmm. um, that kind of led to the breakdown between Molly and Issa. And as I, I like to say, I'm not team Molly or ta- team Issa, uh, you know, watching the deterioration, deterioration of their friendship. I blame both of them. I yes. think both of them are equally responsible for that. And they both need to be held accountable for that. Um, you know, Molly is, is more assertive and, and speaks her mind. And, you know, Issa is, is more passive aggressive, um, which sometimes does not lead to a good mix, <laughs> whether all. in French and friendships or relationships. But what I liked is it was kind of like watching this really intense tennis game where the ball was volleyed in Issa's court and Molly's court where one episode someone would do something fucked up. And then the other episode, someone else did, you know what I mean? So no one was really like the innocent victim. They were, no, they not were, at all. yeah, they were both equally, you know, responsible. So let's, let's jump to the block party episode, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's where black Twitter, <laughs> it was war, <laughs> it was war, war on camp, war on screen and war yeah. on, on, on the Twitter streets. Um, so let's talk about the block party, right? So just some backstory. We know that from season three, Issa had this idea to do this block party to kind of elevate black culture with music and food trucks and everything. Um, and so this episode is like the big day. Um, and so finally all of her hard work 
um, you know, with the with the help of Con- Condola, Condola is this publicist she befriended from season three, um, you know, and so all of that comes into play. And I think this was episode five, right? Was that episode five with yes, Lockhart? That was yeah. yeah, that was the, yeah. the midpoint. Mm-hmm. Midpoint. Yeah, yeah. So we understand that um, the the episode previous uh, prior to that, Issa needed some help landing a major act. Um, she asked Molly, you know, since your boyfriend, Andrew works for live nation, can you give me the hookup? Right. And the ending of the episode before that is, uh, you know, Molly basically says, ah, you know what? I'm not going to ask Andrew to do that. My, this relationship is too important to me. And so, yeah, please leave me out of it. Um, <laughs> and then in episode five, we understand, uh, a conversation that Issa has with Nathan it seems that she kind of went to Nathan instead since Nathan and Andrew are best friends and she reached out to Andrew or Andrew reached out to her. I'm not, I mean, or Nathan reached out to her, but basically Nathan reached out to Andrew and said, Hey, can you, you know, can you do my girl a solid? Can you help her out? And so we realized that she did land a major act uh, in, in, in the form of Vince Staples. So what were your thoughts on that episode? Just kind of leading to that, like, you know, there were people that said that Issa was wrong for doing that. Other people were saying that Molly was wrong um, yeah. to set up this boundary. What What did you think? See, my this is my thought. I felt like it was really unfair what Molly did because it's not like Issa had asked Molly to help her find a headliner. She had a headliner, but they dropped out at the last minute. So this was an emergency, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't, it wasn't like she was planning the block party and said, I don't know who I'm going to get for a headliner and said, oh, let me go ask Molly to hook me up with her, have her, her man help me out. She had a headliner who I don't think they ever revealed who it was supposed to be. But they dropped out. And then she was on Instagram. You know, she was about to DM Beyonce. And, you know, <laughs> she was Googling local, like, L.A. rappers. You know, she was just she was just scrambling. So mm-hmm. I felt like as your friend, Molly should have known that she was in a bad way. But as far as Molly has such a diminished view of Issa that she felt like, well, this is par for the course with Issa. Of course, she doesn't have a headliner. Even when Issa went to her, she even made it sound like, well, did you have a contract? She was looking for mm-hmm. something to make it Issa's fault and as opposed to just helping, which was strike number one. Well, you knew right. something that was going to happen. So she tells her. So Molly, so so Issa, who I think was wrong to just kind of come out and ask Molly for help with something when she had kind of given her the the girl about mm-hmm. their, their Thanksgiving meetup and for the pie. She blew her off. She had other things she wanted to do. But all of a sudden she needed something. She reached out to Molly. So I understood why Molly was upset in that regard. Um, but to just say, oh, I'm trying to protect my relationship with my boyfriend. I'm not going to ask him because I, y- you need help. That was that was just no. This is supposedly your best friend, who she says later later on is her reason for even going to the to the block party because mm-hmm. Andrew was like, I thought you weren't going to go, and she's like, Well, she is my best friend. She was just doing this performative best friend routine without yes. actually being a best friend. Mm-hmm. And then things came to a, you know, things came to a head when she finds out that Issa actually did get the help through, you know, through Nathan, through Andrew. It was a nice game of telephone. And it, all it took was an email. And everything an happened, email. An email. 
<laughs> you know, and I know I've I've sent plenty of e- emails are very helpful. It's a very simple thing you can do, but it can help help something out, help someone out. And what did he have to lose if if somehow the the event blew up in her face? How would he come back? How would that come back on Andrew? You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. So Molly's all in her feelings, trying to try because she knows that she's skating on thin ice with with Andrew, mm-hmm. and that's what that was about. If she felt confident in her relationship, she wouldn't have been stressing Issa. But because her rela- she knew her relationship was kind of iffy, she didn't want anything potentially ruining it. And, and, and just like the old um, fables, the one thing that you try to avoid is the one thing that comes to be true. You know, they, mm. tell, they tell the king, a baby is going to overthrow you. So you decide you're going to kill all the babies that, come, that, that are born. But that one baby that you didn't get is going to be the one that you self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> so I really wasn't feeling Molly. And then she got all in her face and pointing fingers. And, you know, it was a really bad situation. She could have handled that so many different ways. And it's what strikes me about Molly is she picks when she wants to be Miss Professional. You know, every mm. other time she's like, you know, straight laced. I'm a lawyer. I'm a this. Da, 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 da. But then she decided the, the ghetto jumped out of her. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Time out. You want to pick and choose when, you know, you want to be all buttoned up and want to hold Issa to this standard of being not being professional. But here you are at her event showing out. So I was definitely team Issa in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't blameless. But she was it wasn't as bad as what Molly did. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, you know, the 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 writers did a really good job of making them equally culpable and messy um in in this breakdown of their friendship. And, you know, like when the episode started, like you said, um the thing that struck me was that like you said, Molly didn't even want to go to this event. Like she's in the closet picking these outfits and she's looking highly irritated, irritated. Like, I don't even want to go to this. And then Andrew's there, you know, he's on his phone and he was like, well, we don't have to go. Being the ever supportive boyfriend that Andrew is, Andrew was like, listen, if you don't want to go to the event, we don't have to go. And then she's like, well, I have to go because, you know, she's my best friend. And that's something you keep seeing her say in a recurrent fashion throughout the season, right? Like leading up to the fight where she's like, oh, she's my best friend. And like you said, it's it's a very performative thing. And I'm like, well, who are you trying to convince here? Is it is it us or you? Right. Like, do right. you really think? Right. You know what I mean? So already she had this negative energy. Even before she put her clothes on, she was already, <laughs> like for me, I really do feel that you, you know, when you have, feel a certain way to you're like projecting negative energy to somebody it you know what i mean like i don't need that like isa definitely didn't need that she was and in wish mode <laughs> she was in wish like i really think she wanted this event to fail because then it would be the self it would it would it would the thing with molly and isa is that um she needs her to feel um in a certain way molly needs to feel superior to isa you know what i mean it's this very dysfunctional relationship where it's like well i'm the professional Miss Perfect and Issa's the fuck up. And really, that's extended to the whole dynamic between Issa, Molly, Kelly, and Tiffany. You know what I mean? I do think that the three of them do look at Issa as sort of like the loser of the group in some ways. And I do feel that some of them could have been better friends um, to Issa in some ways. Um, But yeah, like, 
she was already she was already cranky. She was already cranky. Um, and then, you know, that's when she mentioned that, uh, you know, Molly had had some sort of case win or whatever. So she had a celebratory dinner, um, you know, for a case that she won. And she reveals that Issa didn't show up. Mm. Now, I can understand that. Yes. And so Andrew was like, well, why don't you again? He was like, well, why don't you talk to her about that? And again, this goes back to the passive aggressiveness and the miscommunication. Like if you saw that she didn't show up for this dinner, I would have texted her. I would have called her the next day. Like, what was that about? Because some people like to be mad. Being mad is their power. Right. So that they don't want to let go because if they're, if they're happy or if they're content, then Mm -hmm. they don't have anything to wield over you. And Molly loves to wield her discontent like a hammer, especially with Issa. And she did it with Andrew too. And mm. it backfired, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, she ends up going to the event. You know, Issa's putting everything together. And, you know, we see that the event is actually a huge success. And I was sitting there like, I was so proud of Issa. I was just like, mm-hmm. damn, girl, like your first block party and that level of success. I mean, you're lucky if you get 50 people to show up. But it it seems like it was easily like a good few hundred people. It was a very few hundred people doing the wobble. You, you, yes. you won the night. You won the night. <laughs> you did. And and it's like your first time event. You don't, you know, you're not like an A-list celebrity. She really just used her creativity and her resources. And I will say that Tiffany did help her out by, you know, hooking her up with Condola. So I, I will say that. Right. Um, and so I just thought that, you know, as a best friend for Molly, like you should have been happy for your friend. Like, you know what? I know. Because, you know, Issa says this later when they have the big argument. She was like, you saw at the last job that I had, you saw how unhappy I was. You know what I mean? And I finally committed to something and it's a success. Um, And, you know, this is why I'm saying, you know, Molly was still a sourpuss because there's a scene, you know, during the course of this block party where uh, Molly and Andrew are sitting on this couch together and Molly just like looks around and she was like, oh. Well, I mean, I guess she pulled it off. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Andrew had to coax that out of her. Right. He was like, don't he was like, don't you think that Issa did a good job? And she was like, yeah, you know what I mean? And then she brings something over. I don't know if it was like an ice cream cone or something from a from a food truck. Uh, I guess that was her way of, off, you know, a, like a peace offering for Issa. But they couldn't really get to talk because Issa had to attend to something. So they really didn't get to have a chance to in, in depth conversation. Um, so everything happens, you know, Vince, Vince Staples, you know, um, appears, he, he performs, everybody's happy. It's this great event. And then afterwards uh, we see Vince Staples manager. He goes to Andrew, you know, Andrew introduces Molly as his girlfriend. Um, and then the manager's like, hey, you know what, Vince, you know, he's he was really happy with this turnout. And, you know, when you get a minute, can you come talk to Vince? Because it, it sounded like they want to partner with Andrew to do more things. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's when the manager says, thanks for the hookup. Right. And then that's when Molly decides to be Blue's Clues. It's like, <laughs> what? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, what? what what hookup you know what i mean <laughs> and then andrew was like yeah you know nathan reached out reached out to me he said that isa needed um you know a, a headliner and so and andrew literally said this i sent an email right i sent an email right and this is why cuz i was you and i were both rewatching uh insecure today and just watching that scene over again i'm like 
this woman is so freaking miserable. Like you're standing next to your man. Number one, he's acknowledging you as his girlfriend in public, right? Which is always like a sign. That's like a, a checkoff mark for any girl. Right. right. Who's who's dating, whether a man, woman, whatever. You mm. want to be acknowledged like that. Not, oh, right. this is my friend or this is he was like, this is my girlfriend, Molly. Right. So he's claiming her in this relationship. And then he's being complimented. Like he's like this manager is saying, hey, this A-list celebrity wants to work with you some more. Would you not be a supportive girlfriend and just be like, oh, my God, babe, that's great. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, go go talk to Vince Staples or or better yet, could you introduce me to Vince Staples? You know, anything, any combination of those things. But no, what she decided to do is she needed to, she decided to pip, pip, like just pinpoint this one little thing about the fact that Andrew helped Issa to get Vince Staples. And that's when she walks over to Issa and pulls her aside. Can I talk to you for a minute? And then that's when she was like, what you deliberately went behind my back. And I was like, this isn't dynasty. Like, what are you, Alexis <laughs> Colby? Like, this isn't succession. Like, girl, calm right. down. Like, this was a block party. Right. And friends who had friends. isn't. But uh, let's be clear. When you work in any kind of industry, right, whether it's entertainment or technology, is it not about the resources and the contacts that you have, right? Absolutely. It's not always a meritocracy. It's about one person who knows one person who knows another person. And you know what I mean? A, a lot of the most successful people, they if you notice the one thing they'll have in common is that there will be that one person in a higher position that will give them a chance. I made a phone call. Um, I set up a lunch date. Um, right. We played golf, you know, like yeah. I like to joke, some of the biggest deals are made on the golf course, you know what I mean? Or at a cigar bar or whatever. It's not always within the confines of a freaking, you know, boardroom. And it's if anyone you- should understand that it should be Molly. Absolutely. Because right? I'm sure somebody was helping her out now that she's, you know, high up at her at her law firm. I'm sure somebody helped her out, probably, you know, a mentor or whatever. So it was like, why would you and, and clearly everything turned out. Right. Because Issa said that she was like, she copped to it. She was like, yes, I asked Nathan, you asked, you told me to keep you out of it. So I asked Nathan, Nathan asked Andrew and she was like, and, and you know, Issa was like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, the clearly the event is a success and Andrew is potentially going to get more business off of that. So really, what is the problem? <laughs> because you didn't follow my rules. <laughs> And then it becomes this nastiness where she was like, oh, your shady ass was wobbling with me. This is Molly. Mm. You know what I mean? Again, on some whatever dynasty bullshit. And I was just like, oh, my God, lady. Like, and then she just blew it up. And then that's when she's, you know, really moved up on Issa. And then that's when she was like, oh, you're a user. You're this, you're that. And then, you know, Issa shoots back. And she was like, (laughs) she was like, if you break up with Andrew, it's not going to be because of me, girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's going to be on you. Foreshadowing like a mug. But yeah, she she hit it on the head. She hit it on the head. And you know what they say? Hit dogs holler. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, uh, Molly basically kind of came up on Issa like she was going to hit her. You know what I mean? Like she was just like, what you going to do? And then, of course, pandemonium breaks out somebody was like somebody has a gun and then everybody <laughs> i love that easter egg the mary j blige easter egg <laughs> yeah and so yeah and so i mean it was really interesting to see the conversations online after you know after that episode aired for like because people were talking about it for at least two three days after it it oh, ended yeah. and oh, it yeah. clearly became a, a isa versus molly thing and then you know i was seeing like i was seeing like 
comments like, well, that's her man. And I don't want, I don't, you don't have the right to ask my her man any favors and you don't do. And I was like, oh. She asked to sleep with her man. She asked her man for an email. <laughs> this was business. <laughs> this was work. I hate that territorial possessive nonsense people I agree. On, on Twitter, but that's my man. So that means that you have this fiefdom around your significant other where mm-hmm. someone can't email or talk to them because you said so. And that's some bull. That's, I'm sorry. It was totally bullshit. I mean, as somebody mentioned, Issa wouldn't have, I mean, Molly wouldn't have even met Andrew if it wasn't for her, right? Because remember, Issa knew Nathan, right? Mm. And through Nathan, that's, well, no, they went to Coachella. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Coachella. Um, Andrew and Nathan were there and then that's how they, so I was just sort of like, mm, okay. I forgot about that. You're right. That's yeah, they, true. Yeah, they met at Coachella. So it was just sort of like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, that doesn't even, so I don't even like this whole possessiveness of, oh, that's my man. And, the, and I'm like, yeah, let, grow up. Let's let's come back in another 20 years. Let's have an adult conversation about that. Um, and so it was just all these things about like the, the ones that were on Team Molly, they were just like, oh, you know, boundaries. And I'm like, Molly is the last one to be talking about boundaries, okay? Right. Because let's let's rewind to season three when mm. Nathan we, we showed understand. up on Issa's birthday. Yes. yes. Talk about she, it. Talk about it. Okay. And then you told this man bounce. Okay. He was there, contrite, ready to apologize to Issa, and you interceded and you told this man, um, you know, you're I'm I and I'm gonna be honest here. I think Molly is a snob. Um, and I think she looks down on Nathan. I think there's this whole like, oh, you're a barber. Um, I think there was mm. definitely a feeling of she didn't feel that Nathan was good enough for Issa, right? Like, girl, mind your business. Like, that's not, it's not your place to tell this man. Unless he physically harmed Issa or he was like a danger to her, he did need the, you needed to have her be an adult and make her make the decision exactly. whether she wanted at no. the very least, she could have gone back in the house and said, listen, Nathan's outside. Do you want right. me to send him away or do you want me exactly. to do, do you want to go out and talk to him? The choice should have been Issa's. It should not have been hers to make in that instance. So, yeah, she is really the last to talk about boundaries. boundaries? Especially like- with, in her own relationship, the boundary between work and, and playtime was completely blurred. As we saw that night when she had the poor man waiting up for her in the bed. She said, "Y'all be there in a second. And then two- it was like nine o'clock. And then it was yeah, like it was like SpongeBob. Three hours later, you know, <laughs> sleeping in bed, and then you want to crawl in talking about, oh, I'm ready. It's like, come on, you don't know the first thing about boundaries, so you need to stop. Yeah. So we understood. So then, because of that fight, they don't speak to each other for at least a good two, three episodes, and then we have a standalone episode with Issa, Life Without Molly, and then we have a standalone episode of molly with andrew so i did want to talk about molly and andrew mm-hmm. um you know he was introduced in the last season you know we shout out to alex hodge alexander i want him to be I, like i for selfish reasons i hope they didn't break up because i like alex very much he's a, <laughs> he's a friend of the spectrum lounge right and, I, right and i love the energy and the swag that he brings to insecure but you know molly's just a mess but i was like girl i was like nobody deserves that that's you the way I, mean? I feel about, you know, I, I love Jay Ellis and Lawrence Hive to the day, mm. you know, but even I was like, they need to not be together right now. This is not a time for them, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> um. Well, let, let's, let's, so let's, Um. we'll, we'll talk about Issa and, and Molly's 
arc and then we'll go to Molly and Andrew because I and then Issa and Andrew uh, I'm sorry Issa and Lawrence so the fight breaks out they don't talk to each other for at least you know two three episodes or whatever and then they finally reunite I'm gonna say you know and I say this in air quotes uh in episode nine uh, they decide to meet at this diner <laughs> and it is right. the most fakest, fakest of meetings. They don't even mention the fight. Not even once. Not once. That was a fail. That was yeah. like, how do you have that, that meeting and not say, listen, the, about the other night, you don't even, you just tiptoe around that whole shit. Yes. No. Yes. And, and I also want to point out that Issa's the one that reached out to Molly, even though I said no, I was very much against that. I was just like, because like like for you, with that big fight they had, at the, I was team Issa for that. I was like, yeah, Issa's definitely fucked up and she can own her shit. But for you to bring this drama to my place of work, oh, that's a no-no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If, right. you, if you had it now, let's say Molly did have issues with the fact that Issa reached out. You could hug her goodbye. You could be like, girl, this was a great event. We need to talk. Let, you know, let me talk to you tomorrow. Like she could have, you know, invited her for brunch and just been like, you know, can we talk about the fact that you reached out to like, this could have been, if they had decided, she decided to use her adult words. If she (laughs) decided to be a grown up, there's a way that you could have talked to Issa about that, but not popping off. Like keep that shit on the playground. That was literally like some childish shit. Um, and I just was not feeling Molly. I was like, goodbye, girl. Um, and so, yeah, so they don't talk for a couple of episodes. Um, they meet at this diner. And the thing that irritated me is that Issa reached out to Molly. Now I'm going to say this. Issa reaching out to Molly did have some ulterior motives, right? Because she was contemplating reuniting with, with Lawrence. She needed to talk to somebody. That's how I felt as to why she reached out to molly and i was like mm, that's a little selfish but okay yep, yep. yeah you know what i mean so so you got to hold her accountable for that the second um, time she did that yep second time she did that but we also need to talk about the fact that molly really didn't want to go again we see this conversation with andrew and she was like yeah you know whatever like she comes back from the brunch and she was just like I just like she really wasn't even feeling it. I'm like, why did you even show up? Like, why did you even go? You know what I mean? Because I think Andrew said something to her. And then she was like, well, the only thing I care about is watching this, you know, Latoya missing Latoya or whatever, that reality show that they were watching throughout the season. She didn't care. Like, it seemed to me like she really didn't care. Um, You know, later in that episode, in episode nine, um, you know, uh, Issa's helping Nathan move. Mm hmm. Molly and Andrew are there. Um, Andrew kind of nudges Molly as to, you know, try to make up with her. Try to, you know, right. and, and and Molly's like, well, we have all this food. And I'd like to point out that the food that Molly got is not the food that Andrew asked for. Right? Oh, I didn't miss, I missed oh, that. I'll tell you why. Because she comes back with the food. I think she got Thai or something else. And then... Andrew was like, I thought you said we, we, we were getting Indian. And she was like, oh, no, um, we were going to get, I was going to get it. But then I remember that the non bread was nah or something like that. And then Andrew just had a look on his face. And it was just like, like well, I wanted Indian, damn it. <laughs> yes. At least you could text me and ask me, uh, okay, you could have just said, I didn't like the food at the Indian restaurant. Can we get something else? But you made that executive decision. Right. And didn't even ask him. Like, but mm. never mind. A usual Molly shenanigans. So, 
uh, they end up staying. The four of them are, you know, having wine and they're drinking. And you could kind of see like there's still like this fakeness between Molly and Issa. And then <laughs> Molly, uh, Andrew mm-hmm. goes to go get some wine. And then Molly sends a, uh, Issa gets a text Ooh. from Molly. The, the text was a fire. Yes, it was the misfire text. Lord, listen, I had one last night. Really? Yes, I did. <laughs> and let me tell you, it was a, uh, it was it was a personal feminine thing um, um, that I meant to send to my boyfriend. <laughs> oh wow! Because <laughs> I, you know, I was trying to be flirty with him, and I sent it to I sent it to Erica. Oh no! <laughs> Shout out wow. to Erica. And this is how I know that we're friends because Erica was. She read it. She was like, "Oh my god, girl, are you okay?" I mean, it's not an STD or nothing. Nothing serious like that. But she was just like, "Hey, girl, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Girl, I, I, I'm so sorry. I meant to send that to my boyfriend. You got it." And she just laughed and we moved on because <laughs> we were we were talking about movies. So I mm. so that's 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 karma for me i understand the mistext so oh yeah um but yeah so anyway molly sent yeah molly sent the text where she was like well can't you see i'm trying with her that was meant for andrew but then she sends it to Issa instead not only did she send it to the wrong person she sent it to the person she was talking about talk about like girl she probably had Issa on the brain right and just probably just pulled up Issa or whatever and then just didn't even look. And I was like, see, that's what you get. And then Issa's feelings are hurt. She decides to, you know, cut the evening early to to leave. And then Molly and Issa have this conversation outside. And then, um, you know, they're just sort of like, Molly's like, well, I think we just, maybe we're just two different people and maybe we just moved apart. And then Issa was like, okay. And she, she goes, goes into her lift and- we're done. And she was done. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just looking at Molly. I was like, wow, like you are just a colossal fuck up. Like, I don't understand how you keep doing all of this. But also say the season finale. So we're gonna get to the season finale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Molly and Issa still aren't talking, and then that's when we get this uh Tiffany, who we were getting hints of that she had some sort of postpartum depression after having the baby, has disappeared. She's been gone for like, you know, almost 24 hours or whatever. And so the gang, you know gets over to Derek's house and decides to help him to find Tiffany. And they basically use this disappearance of Tiffany to fast track this reunion between Issa and Molly. So I just want to say I fucking hated it. (laughs) (laughs) And I say fucking hate. I was just sitting there like, are y'all really, really doing this to us right now? Because I'm going to tell you something. From that episode when they were showing that Tiffany was having the postpartum depression, I knew it, Jerry. I was like, oh, they're going to use this to get Issa and Molly together. And this mm-hmm. was from episode three or four. I already called it. Mm-hmm. And it's what, you know, telegraphing. And I was just like, right. oh, come on, guys. This is too easy. This is too easy. No, 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 no. And so, yeah, they go looking for Tiffany. And that's when Issa and Molly are just, I guess, it serves as a metaphor as to they're missing, their friendship is missing and you should appreciate people while they blah, 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 blah. And I was just sitting there like, this is some bullshit. I wasn't here for it. Um, yes, because the last scene is seeing them, you know, uh, in a uh, a restaurant and it seems that Molly's the one who asked Issa to come. Um, and I just didn't like it for several reasons. I- I'll-, I'll let you give your reasons right now. But first off, I, di- I didn't like it because it wasn't earned. 
And that's mm. the thing with good storytelling. Like, like I said, the first half of this, the first half of the season, by the time Issa and Molly have that big blow up, it didn't feel like it came out of nowhere. We were totally expecting, not in a, oh, this is bored, this is lazy hand, but it was like, no, this is the trajectory of their friendship and their dysfunction of their friendship. So of course, this is where they're going to land. But the writers laid out a path for that. You know what I mean? Again, with the passive aggressiveness and the missed calls and the this and the that. So that made sense. Them deciding to be friends together, it was it was really still in this place of toxicity and codependency, because that's what I feel that their friendship is. It's a very toxic, codependent friendship. Because mm-hmm. um, Molly only called Issa when she broke up with Andrew. Well, or, I should say when Andrew dumped her. Or at least that's what I'm thinking. Andrew That's the presumption. It. That's the way they led it to believe. Yeah. Same thing with, you know, Issa and Lawrence, that, that, that mm-hmm. she broke up with him. Even though technically, I'll say we never technically... See right. them jump off. It's, it's like those movies where they show the the mm-hmm. car jumping off the cliff, but you never see it land. Absolutely. Um, so they're right. leaving it open to what could, what could happen next season. But you know, mm-hmm. the, the spirit of everything is that both of them have you know lost their men. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's 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 oh my I, I'm hurt right because what's interesting is and you said this earlier it, it was like she made Andrew such a priority like I'm I'm you know I'm trying to protect my relationship and I xyz and now you ain't got no man and that or at least he's he's ready to leave and now you want to reach out to Issa and I was like I hate that I hate it so mm-hmm. much like I was just like I really I was really interested in having them have a significant amount of time without them in each other's life if that took a season or half of the next season, I was totally fine with that. Yeah. Because they it, both, yeah, go ahead. It definitely felt rushed to me, mm-hmm. just given how much time was given to the buildup and then the final explosion. Yes. The, the wrap up was just like, come on, guys. Like, and the fact that we they spent like 10 minutes of this episode looking for Tiffany for it to end up with her saying 10 words, 10 words. I'm sorry. I just didn't know what else to do. That was it. That, that's all we got after that uh, wild goose chase with Tiffany. They could have really used that time to actually have a real dialogue between Issa and Molly where they air shit out in the same way Lawrence and Issa got to do in episode eight, mm-hmm. right? But I guess now they're going to make us wait until next season to see what the conversation was. But I would, I really, the payoff for me as a viewer would have been to hear them tell each other the hard things. Mm-hmm. You know, to hear them say the, uh, the, the have the tough conversation about, and you know, with with Lawrence, it was why 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 um why yeah, Daniel why Daniel you mm-hmm. know Issa could have been like, well, you know, why did you not why did you why were you ready to let me fail, you know, like why and and, and Molly could have been like, why didn't you show up for Thanksgiving pie? Why did you blow me off all those times when we were supposed to go to the con? Like everything that wasn't said because the big takeaway from Issa and Lawrence mm-hmm. was that we weren't talking. Just like, damn, yep. we weren't talking, were we? And that was the key problem with Issa and Molly is that they were not talking to each other. It was Absolutely. all this text. It was like, oh, well, okay, girl, do you. Which we all know, <laughs> do you is the kiss off of death from coming from anybody. When they tell you do you, it's basically go play in traffic. <laughs> so- it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's right. Fine. You know, as a boyfriend, when you ask your girl and she writes back fine, you know it's not fine. Mm, fine do you are in the pantheon of horrible things to read on your phone. And we need I'll, to talk. Yeah, we, we need, need to talk. talk. <laughs> or not even not even okay, just the K. 
<laughs> that's when you know you're in some shit. And I, you I know, know, as a woman, that's something, you know, even now I'm still working on using my adult words. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I've, I've, I've slipped a couple of times, you know what I mean? With my, and he'll just be like, he'll just call me back. He's like, okay, we're not going to do this. Are we? And I was like, all right. <laughs> he's like, let's, let's, let's use our adult words here. And I was like, okay, what I right. meant to say is, um, this is what I wanted. I was hoping we were going to do that. And usually 10 times out of 10, once we have that conversation, things are back on track. Like if you don't, if closed mouths don't get fed, right? you know what I mean? This whole idea of he's supposed to know, or my best friend is supposed to be able to read my mind or my man is supposed to read my mind or my woman. This is BS. There's no such thing as ESP. Okay. The psychic, that's, that's the X-Men that's in the comic books. Okay. That there's no such thing. You what have to, yeah, we have, you have to express what it is you want. And right. that was the constant problem with Issa and Molly is that it was just all these nasty resentments that have, cause they've been friends since college. Right. Just, I mean, Molly could be mad at something that Issa did from like seven years ago. Like, girl, you borrowed my dress. You never brought it back. I don't know. You know how Molly well, is. That's, like, the, that's the thing with long relationships. A lot of times mm-hmm. it's not what's happening in the moment. It's what's built up over the years. Right. It's, it's This is what we've seen with Issa. If to me, it was like a bad marriage. It's like all Very this stuff bad. is building up and building up and you're not even speaking to what's happening in the moment. It's, mm-hmm. it's you're, 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 it probably was about the dress she borrowed or the guy whose phone number she she forgot to pass to her or something crazy that right. is just we're seeing it's the it's the iceberg we're seeing the tip of the iceberg and there's years and years of stuff underneath the surface that mm-hmm. they're they're reacting to right and um i i had said this a couple of episodes ago because there were people that were really distressed over Molly and, and Issa's uh, deterioration, you know, like the friendship falling apart. And they're like black women. I'm like, yes, but black women don't. There are a lot of black women who don't like each other. I was like, can we stop with this fake sisterhood? OK, it's there real. Their it's deterioration real. was so real because mm-hmm. I've observed it. I've experienced it. And you the people that, you know, the longest, there's this assumption with people mm-hmm. that you've known the longest there's this really bad assumption that you should just know what I'm thinking. And this goes for platonic and romantic relationships. There's this assumption that because we've known each other, been friends for this long, you should just know. And then you get resentful when the person doesn't know, or they don't react in the way that you think that they should react and not understanding that people change over time. The person that you were friends with in college five years ago or 10 years ago is not the same person now. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and but you still you you a don't want to acknowledge their growth, but you still also want to hold them accountable for who they were ten years ago, and that's exactly what they both were doing to each other. More so, Molly to Issa, but mm. they were both guilty of kind of keeping them in this box. She referred to her as the old Molly, right? Mm-hmm. And and the old Issa. They were they were constantly bringing up the old Molly and old Issa because those were the versions of them that they were familiar with and hence comfortable with, despite right. being upset with them. Those are the versions of them that they could they could react to in some cases, maybe even manipulate because it's too much work to mm-hmm. learn who the new one is. And and I think speaking on, on Molly's side, I think um you know, I felt that she wasn't comfortable with Issa finally being successful. I don't at think she all. she couldn't handle it. She was like, oh, she's actually good at what she does. And she's pursuing. I do feel like there's there was a certain amount of jealousy 
Um, in the fa- I mean, does Molly even like being a lawyer? I don't know. I mean, I know you know it affords her a really beautiful you know condo and and clothes and vacations, but does she actually like her job? I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of corporate lawyers and a lot of them hate their jobs. Mm-hmm. I've worked in law firms and the hours that they work, especially, you know, it's it's you have to produce. It's about billable hours. Right. Right. And that is just that is that will stress out any first or second year associate. I mean, if you make it as far as Molly, God bless her. You know what I mean? But the question is, does she even really want to be a lawyer? That's something they might want to ex- explore in, in, in season but, five. You know, law mm. is one of those professions that masquerades as a personality, you know, mm. to be able to say that you're a lawyer all of a sudden just projects who you are. Right. Right. You right. don't have to do the work of showing people that you're actually interesting or have something to contribute. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a this, you know, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. opposed to. The they think compo- it's a personality trait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the polar and the polar opposite is Issa, who has yeah. created this thing out of air that has no title, mm-hmm. no description, no nothing, but it's tangible to her and to yeah. the people that it impacted. But even she doesn't know what to call it. You Did know, she say was that one episode she said a a cultural curator? Yes, yes, <laughs> which I, I actually like. That. Some people you know? make fun of it, but I was like, that is what she's doing when you yeah. look at her events. Um, but yeah, it's like, but the thing with Molly is that I know that she got a lot of hate. You know, there there was even one ep- there was even one interview where Princess Penny had to go to bat for Molly because people were just like, like <laughs> Molly would constantly be like, you know, uh, trending. You know what I mean? Like almost right. every episode, like, oh Molly. Oh, Molly. You know what I mean? And it was like, for me, the thing with Molly is that I actually have a very soft spot for her because she reminds me of myself um, mm-hmm. in my the, 20, the 20s, Rebecca, in the fact that she has these self-destructive tendencies, right? Um, like in the case of Andrew, um, you finally had this functional relationship with this man who was clearly crazy about you because the things that she got away with i was like Mm. well one the pussy had to be bomb i mean clearly (laughs) saw the mexico trip but also you know he was like he was really he really cared for her and i think he was in love with her because i don't know too much men that would put up with that nonsense um but you know the thing is like she just has this way of just sabotaging things like just even in a non-romantic way like just even the way that she tried to mess up Issa's evening with the block party I think that was sabotage Mm. that was sabotage it was a sabotage in the way of let me fuck up this friendship and let me fuck up her event because it was the energy that she brought was totally not necessary again that's a conversation you could have had with Issa let her you know have her celebratory night let her have a win but it was really her just literally taking a shit on Issa's success. You know what I mean? And so it was like, and and like the therapist said, um, towards the later episodes, she was like, you build a wall. You you get, if someone steps out of a boundary or they don't do what you like, you cut them off. You know what I mean? Now, I will say in the case of Victor, Andrew's brother, that was deserved. I was like, yeah, anybody was an else? Asshole. Oh yeah, He's yeah, Victor. Asshole. Victor, I was just like, Mm-mm, that that, that was, was the one thing I disagree with Andrew with was like pushing for that relationship to be repaired. Like, bruh, mm-hmm. the, yeah. it, your brother was out of line somewhere mm-hmm. down the line. When their cooler heads prevail, they'll talk. But the whole come to the basketball game thing, it's too much. Even though the thing that's always 
disconcerting for me a little bit with the show is we don't know how much time has passed between this the things that happened. So I don't know if it was just a couple of days. I don't know if it was a couple of weeks. That's a it good point. A, a month yeah. later. We don't know how much time passed. So maybe he felt like, okay, you should get over it, but we don't know how long it's been. Right. Um, but a sibling should not be a deal breaker in a relationship. And he should have fell back a little bit on that. But to your point- Can we discuss that? <laughs> because that was something oh, we yeah. talked about last week. I mean, you've been married. Oh yeah, and and having other yeah, like is it necessary? I mean, you can be respectful. It's a a cherry on top, you know. Mm -hmm. If your siblings get along with your significant other, with your spouse, but it's not requisite for me because you don't live with me. You know, we'll be cordial. You know, I'm the king of cordial. If Mm -hmm. I don't like you, if I don't mess with you, there are people that I have to, you know associate with for either professional reasons or other reasons. I don't like you as a person. I know how to smile and wave like the penguins of Madagascar and keep it moving. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that my relationship is, you know, even with my friendships, like, you know, I've had friends who their siblings have done things and I'm just like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah. So I'm just like, "Mm." but you know what? That's your sibling. You got to live with them. I don't have to like them. I'm not going to talk smack about them because that's still your sibling. But that's just been my thing from since I don't know where that, where I got this, but when people come to me complaining about whoever, I don't join in because sooner or later they may Reconcile. They reconcile with that person, and then they remember mm-hmm. that you were talking smack about that person. So you I just told, you told me my boyfriend wasn't shit, right? Well, exactly. But mm-hmm. you, that's for them to say, not for you to not for not for me to say. So, but yeah. my the thing is, Molly never it never occurred to her, and I know we're talking about this is a character. It never occurred to her that how she treated Issa could have been being observed by Andrew and that Andrew would internalize that. It never occurred to her that by dissing her her best friend, that it would occur to her boyfriend that maybe this isn't the type of person I want to be with. If she's Mm. willing to leave her friend out to dry like this, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen if she's upset with me? Like, is it it, like, what kind of thin ice am I skating on? Maybe. And people like Molly never think like that. Like, Oh, because he even said, I, I didn't think you'd be mad at me for helping your best friend. Yeah. So it never occurred to her that that was by, by putting up this wall and keeping him away from her. He was looking at her like, dude, you're wilding, you yeah. know? And that could have been one of the, 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 not to say the only thing, clearly it was how she was treating him was more important, but that doesn't help. You know, mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship, you look and see how your significant other treats other people in their life, how they mm-hmm. how they get along with their parents, how they get along with their siblings, how they get along with, you know, how they treat other people and their their close friends cuz relationships are voluntary. J- yeah. The only difference between Andrew and uh, Molly and Andrew and Molly and Issa is Molly and Andrew's uh, sexual attraction, you know, <laughs> but that how defines you, a relationship. Sex. <laughs> exactly. So they're actually, so that's the huge difference. Yeah. However, you know, the way people interact with folks outside of sex, it's, mm-hmm. it speaks, to, it says something, how you communicate or don't communicate. People tend to be consistent in both, arenas you know what i'm saying i don't know anybody who's really open in a relationship and is closed off with their personal friends you know or vice versa how you are with your friends is how you are in a relationship for the most part is what i've observed yeah and 
Andrew was probably looking at her wilding out with Issa and it was like, mm. and then she's doing this to me on top of that. Mm. I might yeah. need, and then, and now my brother. Mm. So now we're seeing the strong. I, I think I, I do feel, I do feel that while I, I was very, I didn't feel that Andrew needed to push Victor so hard. Uh, I feel like he should have laid back, but I, I agree with you. I think he was observing because Victor is kind of like an avatar for himself. Like already Issa, mm-hmm. I agree with you. He was already like, that's your girl from like, college and you're treating her like that and so and he i think- said that too remember in yeah. the pool scene went with the towel lady mm-hmm. she blew and he, he 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 and she made she said something about asian people and he was like but what about me so he's immediately yep. looking at himself like looking at her and how she's seeing him mm-hmm. yeah because i think she said something to the effect of asian people only consider themselves like people of color when it's convenient or something like that. And I was like, right. Right. Now that, and that was, I, I, I did like, that was a rough conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And I, I do appreciate that they did touch on, you know, cause usually the racism is binary of like black and white. Right. Right. Um, right. But you know, what happens when you have two minorities like black and asian people there's there's a long storied history like i feel like the the relationship with the, between the black community and the asian american community is it's complicated right uh complicated in the fact of the american you know that americans propped uh asian americans to be the model minority like oh look at these these lazy negroes but look at these you know asian people they came here and look what they did and it's like okay but you're not you're only telling half the story and asian people did not immigrate here with a history of like 400 years of slavery and oppression. So what are you saying? But that's not to say that Asian people do not experience uh, racism. Yep. Right. We're seeing this with COVID, right? Like Mm -hmm. Asian people, like I live in a mostly Asian populated community. um, And when the, when the, uh, you know, the quarantine hit, there's this uh, Asian supermarket that I usually go to. It was Empty Jerry. I could go any time mm-hmm. of the day and there would be like no more than like 10 or 20 people because people were terrified. Non-Asian people refused to shop there. My because, favorite Chinese restaurant closed. Yeah. And all the, all the, exactly. All the Chinese store closed, closed. And some of these company, you know, some of these restaurants will never recover from that. You know what I mean? So we, and some of the people that were racist or I should say bigoted towards Asian people are black people. Like black people can't sit there and act like they don't say like some wild shit about Asian people and Asian people don't say Mm -hmm. anti-black thing. Like it goes both ways. And I think that I I appreciated that the scene showed that Victor said some wild shit and, and, you know, Molly said some sideways shit too. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause Andrew was like, come on girl, you know that I like, come on, I'm an Asian American man. You don't think that I don't face. Cause I'm sure he and Molly have had conversations. I mean, and you know, Alexander himself, the actor himself has been, you know, was on uh, uh, the spectrum now and shared the experiences that he had growing up as a Asian mixed race child in Australia. You know what I mean? And like people making fun of his mother. So I, I would, I would think that Andrew probably has a similar experience, but yeah, I think Andrew was just observant. Like the thing I liked about his character is he, when he talks, he maximizes his words. He's not somebody who talks a lot, but when he does it's for maximum impact. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. And especially with someone like Molly, who's a lawyer, you know what I mean? Because when you're talking to lawyers, they'll they'll argue out of, argue you out of anything. Yep. So you know, Andrew had to be very specific about what he said and his intent. Um, and so watching her 
treat Issa the way he did. And you constantly saw Andrew trying to intercede on Issa's behalf and Molly would keep shutting him down. So that, and then, you know, treating, uh, not wanting to reconcile or at least try to talk to his brother. I think he was just sort of like, well, how, what, what, how long is it going to be before you cut me out? Exactly. That's where my, that's where Andrew's was mind was, was like, Mm -hmm. okay, so eventually that shit is going to circle back to me. And yeah, so the final Especially episode. with someone who who creates rules on the fly that you can't predict. <laughs> it's arbitrary. It's like what's going what am I gonna wake up to this morning? You know exactly. what I mean? And so it was it was unfortunate. And I I really was rooting for Molly and Andrew. But unfor- but like I said, Molly is a saboteur to her own mm. life. And it is mm. it's so and that's why I while she frustrates me and I want to smack upside her head sometimes, <laughs> I recognize those self-destructive tendencies. And I'm hoping that with the therapy that she is seeking, that she will learn to control that. Cause she definitely has ang- anger issues. Um, Cause she just be going from one to 10 in like two seconds. Like girl, it's really not that serious. You know what right. I mean? Um, you know, sometimes it's justified like with the towel lady in the Mexico trip. I was like, yeah, I would have been pissed too. Um, there was definitely some anti-blackness there. I'm 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 not gonna fault her for that. But mm-hmm. you know, her personal relationship, her interpersonal relationships, I do feel that Molly needs to not wanna blow shit up all the time where it's like all or nothing, right? Because, you know, we have a mutual friend of ours, and she always said that to me. She was like, You're she used to nickname me Burn Your Bridges. <laughs> that's what she that's what she that's what she nicknamed me. Cause she was like, Rebecca, she was like, when people when she yeah she was like you're virgo to the t she was like when people because i'm a very patient person the way virgos are is that they give you enough rope for you to hang yourself they won't say anything they're cool they'll you know we're we're very nice people and then when we're fed up with you we are fed the fuck up and then we're done and that's it you know what i mean but still yeah my friend would be like yeah you you just you're just extreme like you're just like block delete (laughs) mute You know what I mean? And that's something that I'm still working on, where it's just sort of like, okay, but what am I really upset about? Or what, you know what I mean? And so sometimes it it takes like that, that self-reflection. So I'm hoping that Molly will do better. I do feel that Andrew is a good partner for her, but I don't feel that she's ready emotionally for him. Um, And you and I were having a conversation about this earlier. And one of the reasons I didn't like the season finale is because, We'll go to episode eight. For us, episode eight was the cherry on top. Mm. Um, episodes nine and ten. Well, let's talk about episode ten. It really felt like up to episode eight, like two of these characters were making progress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Issa finally having that sit down with Lawrence and, you know, spending that really beautiful evening together, written by the, you know, super talented Natasha Rothwell. I love episode eight. It was just like this whimsical rom-com, you know, and it was just, and that was something that was earned. That was yeah. earned. Uh, that was something that was earned for the two of them and the journey that they had taken apart after they broke up in episode season one. And I was happy for Issa because she finally, not only did they forgive each other, but they learned to forgive themselves in that episode. And I think that Mm. was especially important for Issa because I felt that what she did after what uh, happened with Lawrence, it was almost like she felt like she didn't deserve anything. Like she didn't deserve anything good in her life. And so for these good things to finally be manifesting in her life in season four, 
It was just like, no, I am worthy. I deserve these things. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be successful. And so to finally sit down with, with Lawrence and to get that forgiveness from him and the night that they spent together, I think that was very cathartic. It was, it was very cathartic. It was closure for the both of them. And you and I said this, season four really should have ended with episode eight. Yeah. Episode nine and ten were totally unnecessary. Right. <laughs> I oh, said it. It, did, it didn't. It, it closed up the Issa and and Molly loop, and it kind of set up the Molly and Andrew loop. But if you didn't have nine and ten, would you really been losing anything? Not really. This is the thing. If you ended the season on eight, and I know they made a big thing about it being ten seat ten episodes, mm-hmm. but if it ended on eight. What would we really would have lost? You could have started season five right from there and Agreed. been great. With a time jump, great. maybe like a few months. It six really months felt like year. Yeah. Yeah. It really felt like episode nine undid everything of episode eight, specifically Thank you. with Issa's growth. Cause you cause the mm-hmm. what was beautiful about eight is that they were both they said he said no more eggshells. They put everything on the line. Mm-hmm. There was no hidden, there was no gotcha to pop up later, you know. Even to the point of her saying, listen, I know you're supposed to go meet with Condola later, but I want to stay. And that was just putting yourself out there is not easy. Mm -hmm. And Lawrence seeing that and being like, you know what, bunk it. I'll talk to Condola later. (laughs) But it should have ended. Even the way they got up the next morning, he was like, do you want to ride? She was like, nope, Mm -hmm. I'm a walk. That was just a real cleansing. That was like, you know, the wasabi or the Mm -hmm. the, the ginger when you had the sushi. It was like cleansing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that shot of her just walking through the neighborhood because I I, mm-hmm. I interviewed Natasha Rothwell and she was saying that that if when you watch Isha's walk home, you're seeing the justification or the changes of this neighborhood, which was re- a reflection of the changes going on with her. Right. right? So oh, the change wow. on the outside and the change going on with her and just seeing her like that last shot of her on the top of that hill and the sun is coming down. She's wearing that beautiful blue sweatshirt. That was, it was like perfect. the limo ride and it was like the the limo ride in widows. Yes, but beautiful, beautiful. But, yeah, but, that's... but uplifting, but being yes. positive. You know, so instead right. of showing the gruesome downtrodden how one from one neighborhood to the next, how things go from poor to rich, you saw it kind of in reverse with Issa, mm-hmm. and that would have been a beautiful way to end the season. But now, next season, oh, they're back together. A I'm Lawrence, like I said, I'm Lawrence High, but dude, you just broke up with Condola. What are you doing hooking up with your ex like this? You got a job pending four hours away. Thank you. They tried to clean it up saying, oh, it's 45 minute flight. That's a four or five hour drive to Frisco. <laughs> okay. And I get some relationships can deal with long distance, but hey, you just got out of one. And this mm-hmm. is your ex of five years who is just getting her shit together. Y'all did not need to make this no permanent thing the you way don't. they did. Because I mean, I, the, here's the thing. We're at the big age. We're in our 40s, right? Right, right. Um, usually the love of your life in your 20s does not end up being your mate. Right. I, I had two serious relationships in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I didn't end up with either of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that's fine. You know what I mean? I had my first love, you know, the guy that I lost my virginity to. And then I had, you know, we were together three years, but that ended badly. And then, you know, I had my second boyfriend towards my late 20s. You know, that didn't end. And, you know, he went on to get married. He's happily married, has two children or whatever. And 
the, the 20s for me is like, I'm not knocking anybody who gets married in their 20s. If you do, if you marry your high school, there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is it isn't necessary for Issa and Lawrence to be together. You could, no. you know, there, there was, there's a term that they use in the polyamory community um, and it's called a comet, right? Mm. Uh, like astro- uh, um, uh, in astronomy, a comet is someone is the special person that you have a connection to. It could be an ex. It could be, you know, a, a childhood friend, someone that you have like this very close, intimate relationship with. But it is not within the traditional confines of a monogamous relationship. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it could be like, let's say you're someone who goes to the West Coast and there's this one special person whenever you go to the West Coast. You know, mm-hmm. you guys have dinner and, you know, you guys spend really good quality time together and you get on your plane and you come back. You know what I mean? And then life is and then it's like, I'll see you again three months, four months, a year. And whatever time you have together with each other, it's special. And there's no expectation on that person. And that's how I see Lawrence and Issa. They they can be each other's comments. I'm not against them hooking up, you know, or being together, like, oh, I have a trip to San Francisco. I'm, you know, I wanted to come see you or whatever, but it, I agree with you. Like it just sounded, it was just the way that episode eight ended. It was like, it felt counterproductive when we see episode nine. Now they're together trying to make a go of it. Why are you trying to revive a relationship with this man who's potentially going to San Francisco? It doesn't make any made no sense none. And then, and then when she asked about condola, it was like this very throwaway, like, Oh yeah, uh, we talked and it's over. Really? Well, I really? knew that was too clean. I was like, mm, oh, that, he, that was too clean. We knew that was coming back. Yeah, we knew she was going to come back either pregnant or mm-hmm. something. The we way she was blowing we... up his phone in episode eight. What? Yeah, and which which is fine because you could have brought that into season season five. Right. But yeah, it was just sort of like like episode nine was just, mm. and then episode ten. I listen. Um, and we'll talk about this. Um. One of the reasons why I really dislike episode 10 is that there's this trope or this idea that, and I'm going to speak specifically for black women, that there's this punishment that how dare you as a black woman dare to be successful in your career. And it becomes this idea of you're either have the career, you can have romance, but you can't have both. Right. And I just, I just categorically disagree with that. I disagree with that. And it was, it almost felt like, I'm going to be real. The way that episode 10 was written, it felt like some Tyler Perry fanfic. Like it was (laughs) like, let's punish these black women who dare to be successful and dare to be, you know what I mean? Like here, Molly, you're a successful lawyer here. You're going to get another fucked up relationship. And here's Issa, you know, on the, on the, on the cusp of having this really successful career doing these events. Uh, oh, now you went to Lawrence. Oh, we're going to fuck you up by having a baby. And I'm like, uh, oh, come on. The baby really? is definitely straight out of the Tyler Perry playbook. That's yes! the play playbook, which is why everybody predicted it. Like, oh, yeah. Thank he just you. Up with his ex. Oh, yeah. Which, sto- which storyline? Somebody was comparing it to another show that had done that. I'm trying to remember what it was, where the boyfriend ended up knocking up an ex-girlfriend when he was trying someone, to be- someone superimposed um jay ellis's face on the usher's confessions album and i'm dying oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. that's basically the whole thing that's on everything 
Yeah. Put that on everything. What? It was crazy. I was just yeah. sitting there like, what are y'all doing? Like, after everything that you did to build up Issa and Lawrence in episode eight, and it ju- and it's like you said, I felt like season nine and ten just undid everything. I'm like, and it's this idea of you can manufacture drama without punishing your female characters or and specifically your black female characters. It just it bugs me so much. It's like, listen, at the end of the day. We're all human beings, okay? And I used to drink that Kool-Aid about, well, it's my career and I don't need no man and I don't need whatever, whatever. And it's like, okay, now let me be clear. However you manifest your relationships, whether it's monogamous, polyamorous, or however it is, please, please get away with this. We're human beings. We are human beings. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be intimate. You need some sort of intimate connection with someone, whether you're heterosexual or or asexual, whatever it is, you need some sort of connection to another human being. And so this idea that as black women, and because what it does is it, it feeds into this strong black woman trope that I'm systematically trying to destroy in Hollywood. I was like, I hate that shit. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's like, but that's their favorite conflict though. When it comes yeah. to shows like this, the conflict is either with your relationship or your mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And no, it's rare that you have a, 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 a character mm-hmm. that has both going well at the same time. Right. right. You can right. even break it down to this show. If Lawrence and e- if Lawrence finally got his job and everything, his relationship mm. had to be messed up. Mm-hmm. Easton got her successful successful event. Her relationship had to be messed up. Mm-hmm. So, and as soon as they get happy, you know, I even joke that you know Lawrence is going to lose his job as soon as he gets with Issa because there's no way they would allow <laughs> <laughs> they would allow you know both things to happen. But I was kind of right because okay, he got the job. But he's gonna lose Isa because Condola's pregnant. So right, that's, and he may and not I even just, take the job. He may not even he, take the job now because Condola's pregnant. Exactly, and it's yeah. just like I just wish writers either had more freedom or had more imagination to have other kinds of conflicts where okay, Isa can have a successful event and she can have a a functional love life. I'm not even saying I don't want to say successful in air quotes, but mm-hmm. functional. You know, yes. she's, you know, with fun, she could have been just messing with Nathan. It didn't have to be serious or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's dealing with that. But then she has a different issue that she's dealing with. You know, the challenges of putting a, together a second event. You know, okay, the, the mm-hmm. easiest thing, not the easiest thing to do, the hardest thing to do after you've done something well is to do it again. You know, right. and, and then the anxiety that comes with that, like, oh, can I top like this was a, you know, because I think the new one that she's doing is like some sort of wellness Mm-hmm. Um, expo or something, and that's when Nathan offered, you know, the back half of the barber shop to her. Can we talk about Nathan for a minute? Because I sure. said that when we do this podcast, mm. I am Team Nathan. I might be a nation. <laughs> I might be a nation of one. And that's freaking okay. I do right. not care. Kendrick Sampson, number one. I think he's an absolute cutie pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing with Nathan is that I agree with you. The, I felt like one of the mistakes that that Issa did when we're speaking specifically talking about episode nine after we had the beautiful episode of episode eight and then we went to nine and then it was this idea of well I'm trying to be with Lawrence and she basically kind of gave you know Sam kind of gave Nathan like sort of like uh, pump your brakes you know right. I'm trying to make things go with him and I was just like 
girl. Totally unnecessary. To, yeah, right. I was like, it didn't have to be one or the other. Date them both. Date them both. Because in episode eight, was she not saying, I just want to make, I realize that I have to create my um, happiness. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I can't mm-hmm. wait for things to make me happy. I have to go out and find them. Clearly, Nathan makes you happy. Clearly, Lawrence makes you happy. Why choose? And again, that's well, within these these monogamous confines. Right. It was just like, girl, do you? Because men do it all the time. Well, with deal- she's dealing as a character. She's dealing with the guilt of having cheated before. Right. So now she wants to overcompensate by being super duper open and super duper honest and mm-hmm. super duper clear. Mm-hmm. Where And she still could have done that. She could have told Lawrence, hey, listen, mm-hmm. I like you. I want to, you know chill with you and stuff but you just got out of a relationship so mm-hmm. and you're about to go potentially move away four hours away Thank let's you. just keep this what this is right now and light. not worry about <laughs> light ironically she should have been more like may from the photograph because <laughs> isn't that what may oh, did to yeah. michael yep she did may was like listen Mm-hmm. You about to go to London. Let's just enjoy this right now and mm-hmm. um, stay stay right here, stay and right then we'll there. deal with we'll deal with the the the, the future down the line. Yeah, she could have done that, but I think that the character Issa was so still so racked with guilt and the mm-hmm. fact that he bought a ring and all this other stuff she was feeling bad about that she wanted. She's like, I want to make this. If I get a second chance with Lawrence, I'm gonna make this work and go full steam ahead. But it was still too soon. It was I way agree. too soon. He literally, she probably still had clothes at his house. If she, went, <laughs> she, went, she went in that bathroom, she probably went to see if Condola had any medicine in the medicine cabinet. <laughs> you two was in there looking for any stray panties or under or bras that were still left over to see how long it's been since right. you've been there. Because, you know, that's the, that's how breakups are. And they spent all that time. That would have been an interesting thing to happen because clearly they were hanging out in his house yeah. on that couch. You yeah. trying to tell me all that time she didn't find none of Condola's clothes in there. That would have been a great, <laughs> that would have been a but very interesting a, scene. A straight yeah. earring. But they know. just try to erase her and I guess tried to save the, you know, the emotional wallop for the season finale. But, right, but yeah, right. the thing with me is that I really like Nathan. I'm going to tell you why. Now, we know he was introduced in season three. Okay. So he and Issa, they had, that was, they were the ones that had sex on the carousel, right? That was yes. hot. I, mm-hmm. I was like, that's on my to-do list. Check. Um, and so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they had great sexual Nasty chemistry. Ass. I'm just saying. Um, they had great sexual chemistry. And the thing that I really liked about Nathan is that, number one, people forget that he's the one who inspired Issa to come up with the idea for the block party. Right. So from get-go, I love that Nathan is team Issa. And I think that is so important in a relationship, whether it's monogamous or whatever, you know, if it's even if it's somebody you're just seeing casual, the person needs to be on the same page as you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you have to have somebody like, it's sort of like syndrome. I'm your number one fan. Yes. <laughs> the person right. you date should be your number one fan. And Nathan has, has proven that. So when he disappeared, Right. And then he came back in the season finale for number three, uh, the season finale of season three. You and I had already had already suspected that. I was like, "Mm -mm." his disappearance, that wasn't him being ghosted. That wasn't him ghosting her because everybody was like, oh, he ghosted Issa. He ain't shit, whatever. And I was like, no, there's more to it than that. I don't think he was being an asshole. I think there's something, some sort of mental health issue, maybe depression, whatever. And then it's revealed. Well, I mean, Andrew had hinted at it in episode seven, when he told Molly on the trip to Mexico that 
Um, Because Molly, of course, was trying to trash Nathan again. Now, mind you, you're the one that tried to fuck up Issa's event and then you still trying to come after Nathan. It was like, no, girl. Um, And then uh, Andrew was like, okay, back up. Uh, I happen to know that he had some, you know, emotional issues that or mental issues that he had to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I feel about Nathan is that it's not to say that people who have mental illness, like they shouldn't be held accountable or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we find out that it wasn't even depression. He had, he has bipolar, he's bipolar, right? So this is a man, he didn't even know, like he, he hadn't been diagnosed before. Now, if he, if you told me that he was somebody who had bipolar for 10 years and by then, you know how to control it and what, like there's certain, there's still, now there's a certain accountability. I know I have this, this, I know I have this mental issue and these are the things that I can do if I'm in a relationship or if I'm trying to pursue someone, you know, whatever, but he was, I can't even imagine how he was feeling. Like I, 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 I've read about people who have bipolar disorder and the, the symptoms and what that does to your brain. Cause people still don't understand that mental illness is not a choice. The same way you don't choose to have diabetes and you don't choose to have, um, you know, cancer. You don't right. choose to have a mental illness. It's, you can't right. control it. Cause I saw people online that were like, well, he should have known better. No better for what? Like his his brain is literally wired differently, right? And your emotions and your brain are connected. So however he was feeling, because I think one of the things is that you're very, very, you have the manic, you have the highs, and then you crash. Right. You know what I'm saying? So who's to say when he met Issa, he wasn't in a manic, uh, he wasn't in one of his manic phases, right? Because mm. let's having sex on a carousel is pretty damn risky. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I mean? I mean, I, 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 I applaud them, but who's to, but who's to say that Issa hadn't met Nathan when he was on the trajectory of one of his manic episodes, right? Mm. So halfway while they're dating together, that's when he probably experienced the crash. Mm. And so what did he do? He ran to his mother. He, he went to Houston. He went to someplace Cause I can't even imagine how terrified he was. Like, why am I acting like this? Why am I, why am I feeling like this? He panicked. And, and right. I think that's any human being when things, you don't understand what's happening to you. You don't understand what's happening to your body or your brain or whatever. So he ran. And then, you know, he revealed to Issa that when he went to Houston to Texas, he thought it was depression. And then that's where like, no, you have bipolar, you're, you're bipolar. Right. And since Nathan has come back, cause I don't judge you by your past. I'm looking at what you're doing now. Number one, he tried to apologize to Issa. Molly blocked that. And then he tried to approach Issa again. And Issa was like, I need some time, whatever. And he respected that. Let me be clear with that. He respected her boundaries. And then it seems that Issa's the one that went and kind of went looking for him to try to reactivate this friendship or this relationship, right? So it seems to me that since Nathan has been back, he's still team Issa. You know what I mean? Like for me, as far as I'm concerned, he's the freaking VIP MVP for helping Issa land that major act for um, her block party. He showed up at the block party. And let me point out the fact that Lawrence wasn't fucking there. Right. Okay. And I, that's the thing that I'm, people are like team Issa and Lawrence. And I'm like, but what the fuck is it like, but what has he done? Like, well, how has he contributed to Issa's evolution, at least on her career side? I have not seen it. Whereas Nathan is always there. He's cheering her on. Um, the second event, he's already offered his you know, thing. He was like, you can use here. And I think what was especially beautiful about that is that even when Issa turned him down and said, I'm not interested in a, a romantic relationship with her, 
with you. He still offered it to her. You understand what I'm saying? He was just like, all right, we're not going to be romantic, but I believe in you. I don't know. Maybe he might still have some hope in his heart that maybe. Oh, he got hope. I'm going to tell you as a man. Yeah. He's he's smart. He's like, listen, I can keep her in the circumference in, in in this in the radius. I'm not. I'm a. I'm a chill. I'm gonna play my position, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna wait for somebody to fuck up. And that's exactly what's gonna happen in season five. Right. Because he's his his, his patience may not to say that Issa's like you know a trophy or something, but he he, he his patience might be rewarded. Yeah. And he and he does have her best interest at heart. So yes. when you truly into somebody. You can wait, and he he already knows what he's getting, you know, thanks to the Ferris wheel. So <laughs> and and how so he's like, listen, you know, I, I, I'll wait. You yeah. go do your thing. Yeah. I'll be over here cutting hair and doing other stuff. And when yeah. the time is right, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get you. Yeah, he's smart. So yeah. I hope they bring. As far as season five, I really hope that they develop, they keep them that going and help us see where because to me he's kind of like the halfway between Daniel and, and Lawrence, mm. you know, and that is Daniel. He fed that creative side of Issa too, in the way mm-hmm. that Lawrence didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Issa's got this rapper music thing that she's, and, and, and Lawrence never really embraced that. He, he kind of said, yo, that's cool. That's nice. But he didn't really embrace it. And, and, as a crea- and you know, as a creative person, mm-hmm. there's a big difference between your significant other kind of just, clapping for you and actually being involved and being like supportive of what you're doing. You know what I I'm totally, saying? Yeah. There's I a, totally there's a, there's that. a difference. Not everybody's built to be super involved because they don't understand exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, but Nathan understood the nuance, you know, Daniel understood the nuance in a way that Lawrence didn't really get the, her career tra- trajectory. Mm-hmm. So I hope that, I hope that they build on that in season five. Yeah. I think, cause that's the thing is like, as, as two creative people, we understand that like, e- like the people that we date or that we're in relationships with sharing that part of yourself. is an important part of the relationship. Listen, you don't need to read every article that I've ever written, but I would just like to, and that was like in Brown Sugar. Remember with, um, mm-hmm. Sanaa Lathan's with Sydney's character when she was in the basketball play. She was like, well, did you read my article? And he was like, uh, no. Oh, that's you know what I mean? dagger. Mm-mm. As a writer, when you ask your, your your lover if they've read your article and they're mm-hmm. kind of like, nah. Right. Oh, that's yeah. like the worst feeling. Yeah. Again, you don't need to go to my archives and read everyone. But if it's right. like, but it like, let's say we were in bed two weeks ago and I was like, oh, babe, you know what? I got this interview with so-and-so and the, you know, it's going to be published. Or if I text you and I'm like, oh, the article's up and there's just like no, like a couple of years ago, I dated this guy. Right. And this was around the time when I was doing the Oscar panels, right. The Academy panels. So I think I did three of them that summer. I did one in August, two in July or whatever. He went to not one of them, not one. Um, he was like, uh, what do you do? I was, I think one time I was, I, I was doing the panel for black Klansmen, mm-hmm. Spike Lee, you have to be under a rock as a black person, not to know who Spike Lee is. Now, whether you like his work or not, that's another, whatever. Right, I remember right. specifically telling him when I got the email from, you know, the, the New York Academy office where they were like, oh, we got you. We were booking you for the, and I was like, and I was, you know, on my phone reading the email. I did a little yelp and I was like, yes. I got Spike. I got Black Klansman, especially because I was going to meet John David Washington. And yeah, he was looking at me. He was like, oh, what happened? And I was like, yeah, I got the panel. I'm going to be doing Black Klansman. And he was like, oh, that's nice. 
Oh. And just like it was nothing. Uh, it was nothing. Uh, it was nothing. And I was like, wow. Like, to be honest with you, he had no interest in my career, like as a writer, a podcaster. He listened to not one episode, nothing. He was not interested in the least. Mm. And so that was just sort of like, this probably a sign this. <laughs> I mean, we broke up for much different reasons, but I was like, right, that was right, usually right, a sign. Right. Whereas, you know, the partner that I, the boyfriend, you know, my boyfriend right now, like he, he has an alert on my podcast when it comes up. Aww. It's on his, you know what I mean? And like today I had an interview uh, with Robbie Amell or whatever. And he was texting. He was like, so, hey, babe, are you ready? Like, do you feel ready? Like, like he has a genuine vested interest, mm. you know? And this is, a he's very busy. He works full time. He goes to school full time, but he will always take time out of his day. Like he'll remember things that I don't even remember. Like, hey, don't <laughs> you, aren't you supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z today? And I'm like, oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> And, and But that's all to say that for somebody like Issa, who's creative like us, that means something. And I think yeah. with Nathan, Nathan represents that to me. Somebody who has a genuine interest of you as a person and as a creative. And I'll also say the thing that I love about Nathan is that he has a, he has a genuine goodness about him. Because I remember when he was saying how when he opened the barbershop, he wanted to also give free haircuts to people, you know, who couldn't afford it or who were homeless. Yeah. And like that almost, I was like, he's like, he's such a good person. You know what I mean? And I feel like, I think there are people who, who dislike Nathan for their reasons, right? They could be like, Oh, he ghosted her or whatever. Is still holding on to that. Even though we know why, but I wonder of the percentage. He's not dramatic. There are some people who live for Mm -hmm. drama. Yes. And Nathan is somebody they'd get bored with because he's not dramatic. He's not mm-hmm. Lawrence. He's not Daniel. Mm-hmm. He's not bringing, he, and it explains why he and Andrew get along because those two oh, Zen wow. personalities, those two Zen personalities are not about drama. They're like, listen, I don't need this shit. So, they are. That's an excellent. They each mm-hmm. serve that purpose in Issa yep. and Molly's life. Yep. yep. And so I would hope that Is- that Issa would learn from Molly's mistake. You know, <laughs> yes. you know, you know, messed up with Andrew. Okay, girl. But like, maybe right. I- I'm hoping that Issa will see the value of who Nathan is and what he brings, because it's ultimately about like what Molly's uh, therapist said to her. D- you know, d- does this person bring value into your life? And I personally feel that. Nathan does bring a certain value um, and calmness to Issa. Like you said, he's not draw. I mean, really, the only thing is like he has bipolar, but he doesn't let that define him. And clearly from the way he has his life together, I'm, I'm assuming he's, you know, on his meds. He's taking he's, you know, on therapy or whatever. And I'm like, so really, what is the reason that y'all don't like Nathan? Right. And I just have to wonder of the of the people that are like anti Nathan. Right. Let's call them anti team Nathan. What percentage of these people don't like him because of the fact that he has a mental illness? Because we do need to talk about the fact that there's a certain stigma in dating people that have mental illnesses, right? right. Oh, I have bipolar. Mm-mm. Nope. Bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's one of the reasons why I do want to see Issa and Nathan uh, continue a relationship because that would really be fast. It would really be cathartic and educational for people to see what a relationship looks like with someone who has mental illness. Mm. Right? If she continues this relationship with 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 Nathan, like what does it look like? Because unfortunately, depictions of people with mental illnesses, they're usually serial killers, 
wearing their mother's skin. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> always like, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, Silence of the Lambs. It's, it, there's always like these very stigmatized, negative portrayals of people who have mental illnesses, whether it's depression or schizophrenia or bipolar. And I, I would love to see um, Insecure take the lead in really normalizing this, right? Because even the way they write about the the way they write Nathan is like it's one aspect of him, but it doesn't define who he is. Yes, I would yeah. love to find out more about what makes Nathan tick. In in a lot of the ways that I don't, I hope they don't make us wait three seasons too. Because we <laughs> we got what made episode eight so good for me too was that mm. we really got to see what made Lawrence and Issa work. We never we mm. we caught that we that when we started in season one. We saw their relationship towards the end on the yeah. downturn. So we never saw the good part. Mm-hmm. We actually got to see what it is they actually see in each other. Mm-hmm. I hope that we actually get to see what Issa sees in Nathan beyond him just being there for her. Yeah. Um, because that's gonna get old. It is. And you know, Real the fast. thing is, and, and that's something you'll learn as as a woman, you learn as you get older. Um, that because we what what happens is sometimes the guys that we see as the good guys who are, are good men we're just oh he's so boring like we put them in the friend zone and we and and then sometimes and I'm not saying all but some of us we tend to gravitate to the man that has all the drama like you know that he's not going to be a good partner you know he's not going to be a good boyfriend well, he banged me on the Ferris wheel let me see you know what I'm saying and it's just sort of like but why and then it's just sort of like oh he's boring he ain't got no you know what I mean and it's like no like as when you get older you'll get to appreciate that <laughs> you'll get to appreciate you know men who are not bringing all this drama and messiness into like Lawrence Right. Mm. Because now you brought all this fucking messiness to leave. And that's why I hate episode 10 so much, because I'm like, yo, we had our girl with a major win in mm. episode the end of episode eight. And now you just everything up. Why? Why? Like that. But that goes back to your point of writers needing to find different ways, ways to mine drama mm. for female characters that aren't just. You know, we got a whole Kelly sitting there. We got a whole Kelly sitting there with something to do, with nothing to do for like three episodes. That's completely underutilized. Can can we talk about Kelly for a minute? Um, Because I'm pretty sure um, if Princess Penny hears this, he's probably going to cuss me out. But (laughs) this is something that I've been feeling, and I've been having group chats, offline chats, with people not disclosing who they are, but we know that Kelly is a fan favorite. People love Natasha Rothwell. Right. And but the feeling is that as much as she she presents or brings like this great comic relief at sometimes it does feel like Kelly is used as a punchline. Right. Yes. Like like, yes, we know that she's sexually active, which is a plus, you know, for plus size women. You know, we know that she's not. But how long? It's been so long since we've seen Kelly with anything. What was it? The, the, the fingering under the table was what? Season two? Yeah. And then the guy <laughs> where she pretended to have a British accent, like it was funny, oh, but right. it was just like, but it was like, I would really love to see in season five. I would love to see. Cause we know Kelly is successful. Like she's an accountant. She's very good at what she does. Um, and she's very, very bright. Like I love professional Kelly seeing her office with her glasses. I love that. Um, but I would love to see like a really full fleshed complex love story for Kelly and Caesar five. Well, no, we already know that Natasha Rothwell can write the hell out of a romantic comedy with episode eight. And I was like, could y'all just please bring that same energy over to Kelly Kid, can, can, can one it, episode. Just, yeah, just can, one. Yeah, I would love one. Natasha to write an episode 
for Kelly. Like, I would love to see her fall in love or even it doesn't even have to be, you know, a long term, but just somebody just somebody just loving on her. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just like it's not like a sexual um, because the thing is, you know, with plus size women and fat women, the idea of them being sexually desired is usually seen as a joke. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that same love scene that we saw that she wrote so beautifully for Issa and Lawrence, why can't we see Kelly being loved on like that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I'd be happy to cast her love interest for her. Um, <laughs> like, I was like, what's John Boyega doing? Seeing as she was faking that British accent, how cool oh, would it be? Oh, that would be hilarious. If she actually did. Him. Yeah, or Daniel Kaluuya. What's Daniel Kaluuya doing next season? Like, I have a mm. whole list of like black actors, Latino actors. Eight, you know what I'm saying? I, I would just really love to see Kelly get her own storyline because it did feel like for this season, it was sort of like she was like the helper, like taking care of Issa and taking care she of Tiffany. She was literally the nanny. She was, with and the I'm baby. like, and I was like, but what? And and then you know, we knew in the end of season three, she and Tiffany had sort of a fallout. Because, you know, Tiffany was just sort of like, well, I'm the one having the baby and you're single or whatever. We never got to see how Tiffany and Kelly resolved their differences. So that must have happened off, you know, off screen or whatever. But I would just like to see Kelly for self where she's not worried about Issa. She's not worried about Molly because she's checking up on all these people. But who's checking up on Kelly? Exactly. I don't see anybody doing that. I like I've I've been, rarely I can't really remember a scene where somebody was like, "Oh, hey, Kelly, how are you doing? How's your mom? How's your you know what I mean?" And so I I think for season five, I think what could happen. This is uh, this is me wishing that episodes nine and ten did not happen. Um, if the way it ended in in season uh the end of episode eight, if we had season five, I would like to see them expand on some characters i would like to see them expand on kelly for sure um i don't really like what they did with condola because they ended up using her as a plot point as the evil woman who got almost like she got pregnant on purpose to like break up (laughs) because i saw some i saw some ridiculous tweets talk about how dare she have she didn't like how she gonna have this baby she didn't even want to be i was like don't get it twisted just because she said she didn't want to get married again doesn't mean she doesn't want to be a mother those are two separate things Condola never said she didn't want to be a mother. She said she didn't want to get married again, right? Yep. So it was there like- There are a lot of women who make that choice, trust me. Yeah, and so it was almost like people were mad at Condola for choosing to have this baby. I was like, wait a minute. Are we not in 2020? Are we not like looking at SCOTUS right now for like <laughs> right, right to choose? So how are you mad at her? Because she actually chose to have the baby. Like, what are you yeah, talking about? Like, true. It was crazy. Choice so, goes both ways. It goes both ways. And I wish that, because I really love the actress who plays Condola. I think she's beautiful and very talented. And I, and I loved what she brought to this season. Um, she was just, she just had this elegance about her. You know what I mean? And I think that's part of the reason why Molly was jealous of her because I think she kind of was like, oh no, I'm supposed to be Issa's sophisticated friends with with money. And she, in a way, I felt like she up Molly in some ways, no shade. Mm. Um, And so I I had wished if I could have my way that they would have given more storyline to Kelly. They would have brought um, Condola into the fold, so to speak, and, and kind of flesh out her character. I mean, I mean, I have nothing against Amanda Seals, but Tiffany's character doesn't really do anything for me. I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what I mean? So it would have been like Kelly, Condola, Issa, Molly. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, you know what this kind of reminds me of? Like, 
I remember when uh, with girlfriends, because I'm, I'm always going back to girlfriends, because Princess Penny actually uh, worked on girlfriends. And so the Molly and Issa dynamic has a lot of Joan and Tony energy to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happened was when um, girlfriends came back for their seventh and eighth season, uh, the actress who who played Tony, um, uh, Jill Marie Jones, she didn't come back. I think because of contractual, they, they had moved from like the C up from WB to CW or something like that. Um, or you know, UPN to CW. That's what happened. So she didn't come back. And so what they did is they brought in. Monica. Monica was sort of like the villain of the show. Uh, William mm-hmm. had dated her. She was like this very sedity, nasty type who didn't like any of the girls. She didn't like Joan. She didn't like Tony or whatever. And so when Tony left, they brought in Monica. You know what I'm saying? And so it was sort of like kind of getting used to her being in that space. But by the end, by the time that the show ended, you kind of liked Monica. You know what I mean? They had to make her messy and whatever. But um, yeah, I was just like... When I when I think about girlfriends, I was like the one of the things that I loved about the show is that they gave you had four black women leads and they gave equal story time. Each of them were fully developed characters with their own storylines together and apart. Um, And I feel like Insecure can do that. It doesn't just have to be the Molly and Issa show. Right. And this is not knocking Yvonne Orji or Issa, but I was like, I'm just I I just can't do another season of Issa and Molly being dysfunctional. I I can't. I really can't. (laughs) I was like, if you bitches gonna make up, then make up and leave me alone. But season five, please. Can we can we expound on some of these other characters? And who's the other character? The guy. He's Lawrence's friend. He was the one who was oh, sipping the oh, juice. Oh, I was just thinking about him too. Yeah, um, Neil Brown Jr. I forget what his character. Yes, name. yes, he's yes. So he's hilarious. Funny. Yeah, I feel like in season five you can kind of Chad. 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 Yes. yes, like you can bring in like characters, and you know now that Issa's working, like uh, the 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 assistant who worked with her on the the block mm-hmm. party, she's hilarious. Please yeah, bring her really back. Please mm-hmm. bring her back. So like you said about mining content, like Issa's work situation could be fun. Because people forget that Awkward Black Girl was actually a workplace comedy. The genesis of Insecure was a web series that Issa created where it was all about the workplace. True. Right? True. And, she, and, she had a, and she had a crush on a guy at work or whatever. So a lot of the humor came from her crazy ass co-workers right so you can do that in season five now that she's working with these different clients and doing these different events you can create like you can do like these really cool guest cameos you know celebrity or otherwise and you know what i mean like i feel like there's a way that you can expand season five where it doesn't just have to be about molly and molly and Issa's friendship like you can really show like this 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 spectrum of black womanhood you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how I'm feeling, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not the showrunner and the creator of Instagram, so why do I know? But <laughs> I was like, if y'all hire me, I could give y'all some good ideas. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like they've got a blank slate right now. They could really go in any direction they want because mm-hmm. no one that they have there has to stay. Like they could send Lawrence off to San Francisco just as easily in a stroke of a pen. Mm-hmm. He's in San Francisco. Condola moved there so they could be. I don't know. They'll figure it. He's he's coming on the weekends to see his kid. Right. That could that could be the way to do the comment thing that you mentioned. You know, he's moved. He's decided to move, mm-hmm. but he comes on the weekends or comes every two weeks to see his kid. And maybe one weekend in episode six, mm-hmm. you know, he needs to catch up. But that's it. 
Right. You know, keep it right. moving. Because and, you, like, and you can still show, like, if, you know, if Lawrence takes the job in San Francisco, what's this new job like? You can kind of do, right. like, some sort of Google-type company with some crazy-ass co-workers. You, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, there's a lot. Listen, we spend, as 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 adults, we spend how many hours at work? Yeah. 40, 50, 60 hours. So, like, our, our workplace is, like, our mm-hmm. second family. I mean, you may not feel familial towards them but that's where we spend the majority of our time you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so there's a lot that you can do there you know what i mean and find like you said conflict in different ways or whatever and also i mean they introduced Issa's mother who was played by wendy raquel robinson and i was so happy because for almost four seasons we never saw Issa's parents and Mm -hmm. finally we got to see that and i would love to see more of that um right we we have you have her brother amal i love amal um how about we expand more on that on Issa's family and her dad and finally meeting that her stepfather, the one that, you know, whatever, like there's a lot of comedy there and her, like her yeah. stepsisters and cause clearly they're twins and they're weird and stuff. Come on. Like there's a lot of stuff that you can write for Issa that doesn't just have to be about what am I mad about with Molly this week? Like it doesn't have to be like that. Right. So, alrighty. Well, that is all the time we have. Thank mm. you so much, Jerry. <laughs> For sure. She, you know, I, I, you helped me get a lot of things off my chest. So, oh, thanks. yeah. Yeah, we we had been brewing. Because Sunday night, we were just texting each other and Marco following <laughs> each other like, oh, my God, I can't stand it. I hate it. Um, mm. But, you know, it, you know what it is. It's like, you know, you critique a show. I prefer to do it this way. I didn't want to do it on Twitter because I don't want I don't I don't need to like be fighting with people. I said what the hell I said, and you can't edit my damn podcast. So you'll just have to live with it. It is what it is. So. <laughs> it was free. Yeah, you know the people. Yeah. So thank you, listeners. You listened to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side. Mm-hmm.